Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your business. We help organizations all across the United States in streamline, optimize, implement, and revolutionize their HR operations. We've helped hundreds of companies and thousands of HR leaders across the world get their people processes right. Today, we're going to be interviewing Cindy Ogden. She is the president of Fuelit. She is passionate about developing organizational talent through new technology. She works with leaders who are frustrated with inconsistent employee performance, and she helps them engage employees through real-world experiences using virtual reality. She's deployed VR training with local and national organizations for the past several years, and we are so excited to have her come on. We're going to be asking questions about how small businesses can work, how large businesses can, can, can increase employee performance, everything around reducing employee incidents from a safety perspective to define sales processes and how to really impact business results. Can't wait. Before we go too deep, though, I want to ask you, please subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much every podcatcher of your choice. You can also subscribe at peopleprocesses.com, which will give you special subscriber-only content, including a key takeaways one-pager on this episode, which you could use to take back to your team or figure out how to execute some of the great stuff we talk about. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Romy. Thanks for inviting me. I, I'm, you know, I guess we should give the full disclosure. I've known Cindy for years, and she is one of my clients. Um, and I just think the world of her. So if this is a bit more friendly and fun than my normal episode, uh, that's why. So, so Cindy, I, I, the first question I always ask people is not many little girls and boys. Uh, I have a four month old now, Marie. I doubt for Halloween, she's going to dress up as a, uh, process trainer as a six Sigma black belt. It's not a common thing that little girls and boys dream of being when they grow up. How on earth did you get to where you are now? <laughs> That's a great question. It has been definitely a journey. As you mentioned earlier, I do have a passion for organizational development, and I also have a passion for new technology. So I'm always eager to learn the, the latest and greatest tools. And even during my early years, uh, starting out in human resources, soft skills training uh, with different companies, I was always keeping up with the latest technology and learning how can we use that technology to improve employee performance on the job. Um, what caused me to start my own business on that journey is what I often started seeing is executives seeing we have a problem, we need to fix it, we need to fix it fast, so we plug in a solution that may or may not work, and we move on to the next thing. We used to call it the flavor of the month. And so I wanted to create an organization that helps customers or companies really come up with the right solution, a permanent solution that fixes their problems. So often I would do training where learners would be all excited about mm -hmm. what they learned. They go back to the job and nothing changes. What we do is we put uh, processes in place that make sure that the learning happens and then the behavior changes to match what they've learned. And that's the piece that a lot of companies forget about is how do you exactly. measure it? Um, and that's where that Six Sigma black belt training came in, <laughs> right? Because everything has a metric to it and you can measure performance. Imagine that. 
So when that's exactly, I mean, and that, I mean, I've, I've been in business coming up on 11 years now and the number of, I call them false starts that we wind up creating or I know I, I am a entrepreneurial guy. I like to run around and I see a new shiny thing. It's very hard for me not to go and do that thing and then tell my whole company, here's how we're going to manage performance now. And then like three weeks later, we're, we've never looked at that again, ever. Right. It's just like, mm, that's how it worked. So what would you say maybe to, um, I, I definitely want to get into kind of how you design and develop these processes. Our company is people processes. And so we know that doing a thing is great, but doing it consistently and, and being able to measure the results is the key to compounding growth and success. If you don't, um, if you don't have a process for it, that's being executed consistently, you're, you're just spinning in the wind, but when you look at a organization and they come to you and say, Hey, Cindy, um, I've got this issue. We have a help desk and different questions come in and we're like, right. 90% of the time, but like 10% of the time we're, we're that company that people call in. And when they talk to one person, they get one answer. When they talk to another person, they get another answer. Um, and we, we just can't seem to figure out how to nail that down. What would be your process for like, Diagnose, diagnosing where the pro, where the problem is to start with. That's a great question. And it all comes down to um, documentation. So the first place we start is, do you have documented standards, uh, standard operating procedures, policies and procedures? Uh, more often than not, um, companies grow very quickly. The ones that I've worked with, at least in my experience, mm-hmm. they've grown very quickly. And um, at first, everybody knew the processes and the standards that were in place, but as the company grew, they weren't written down and more and more new people came on board. And so it just became everybody doing their own thing. That's often what you see. And so the first place that I always start is with the documentation of workflows and documentation of the expectations and standards. Um, Because if you don't have that, you can't expect employees to follow a process. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you do that, when you kind of go in, you think about processes. I know in my company, we had this many year journey. We, you know, we constantly document the solution. So someone comes in and they say, all right, here's the, the problem. And then our, our employee realizes, all right, the solution to that is we need to do a benefits enrollment or we need to change an employee's classification. And so we wound up with a knowledge base internally that had something like 140 articles. Um, And what we found was the bigger issue was knowing which article to use. Like we had, we had documented what to do once you knew the problem, but we, we had real trouble. In fact, we still have trouble sometimes with the diagnosis of the problem. Is there a different kind of thing for that? Or is it, is it just that we need to document diagnosis a bit better? I've, I've, Right. So that's a, that's a great question for companies that do actually have documentation in place over years or over a period of time. It becomes this overload. Yeah. There's so much information. I don't know how to dig through it quickly to find the right solution. So there also needs to be a process, a review process in place, because if there's not, then you can get outdated information that's part of your knowledge base that people are not um, they're giving the wrong answers to because that was the answer five years ago. <laughs> may not be true now, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> so you have to have a process in place of even 
what what will we do to look through and validate on an annual basis that this is still the process? And uh, just like you do employee reviews, right? You have process reviews and you have groups of people that you assign. This is part of your responsibility to review this process on an annual basis and tell me what needs to be updated. What is out of date that we need to get out of our knowledge base to look up? Um, and, and there are a lot of tools that can help you with managing the, that information as well. Yeah, uh, um, I guess this, the days of a three-ring binder are a bit past us, huh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And the tools for each company is different, right? So you might have tools that um, that work well, like a, a SharePoint site, and that's where your knowledge base exists. Um, or you may need greater workflows built into it mm-hmm. in a full, full database. So uh, it really is dependent on the company and the needs for the knowledge base as far as solutions. Well, we're going to take a step back, Cindy, because you have given some great advice already. But I, I notice in our interviews, um, a lot of times people don't care what you have to say until they know you care, period. And a lot of our listeners, some of them are new entrepreneurs who are just getting set up with their first few employees. Others are directors of of HR or chief people officers for thousand man companies. And the consistent feedback I get the most from, from my interviews is that they love this coming question because they feel like they learn the most from it. So Cindy, you've been in business a few years, you've been running your own shop and I'm hoping rather than talk about kind of the things you've learned or the successes, could you tell us a story of your worst entrepreneurial moment Tell us about that day or that week and what happened there and uh, how you got into that position. Really paint us that story so that we can learn a little bit from where you've been uh, as opposed to us having to go there ourselves. Um, oh, that's that's a, a tough and it's out of the blue too, isn't it? It's like, I never, I never give <laughs> a heads up. I will tell you this, the, 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 you know, I, I, every once in a while I do an interview and I hear from the, from the, my interviewee, they go, uh, well, my worst entrepreneurial moment was 20 years ago, and I bounced a check, and it really embarrassed me, and I fixed it that day. And uh, I get feedback like, that guy doesn't know anything, even though his inf- his information was great. So I guess I would say, take your time, but think about maybe it really should be something that had impact that you really had to think about and look around for an answer for. Yeah, Um right. To be meaningful to, the, to, to your audience, I do need to think about what would be... Um, beneficial to them because Lord knows I've been in business since 2014. So just a few years myself. And and, and when you, exactly. You ask a good entrepreneur, like, what's your worst mistake? They're like, I only have one, like which one this week or like which one ever? Cause that's a hard thing. Uh, But yeah, tell us a little story. Okay. So I would say, uh, honestly, out of this journey in the last few years, the, the biggest mistake I have made is, um, Poor planning uh, from a budget standpoint, right? Mm. So adding on resources, being very optimistic about jobs coming in and um, excited about conversation I was having. And I decided to onboard before I had um, ink on paper, if you will, um, to sign contracts. And so, yeah, definitely. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs have felt this. Um, You get in a situation where you have to to make a decision. Um, If you're not making any sales, somebody has to go. And so layoffs are hard. And so that was a difficult um, time and, and great experience for me as an entrepreneur to, to realize, okay, 
I am a very optimistic person and I get so excited around conversations, but I cannot let that drive decisions on staffing or expenses. Right. Great lesson learned. Yeah. And that's a hard one too. I mean, some companies I think have the opposite problem. They, the owner is sitting there with, you know, a million and a half dollars of revenue and two part-time assistants and working 190 hours a week. It's just like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? But the other, the flip side of that is when you're looking at your first, you know, quarter million, your first 250,000 and you're thinking, Hey, I should bring on some people. I need to bring on four people to, to, once I get this off my plate, I'll keep growing and you can go way in the wrong direction and overextend. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's a hard thing. Absolutely. It's a really hard thing. So when that happened, you, you, I'm going to, I'm going to dive in a little bit deeper. You had a, um, you, you, I'm assuming you had some good clients, you were expecting a lot more growth and you, did you hire ahead or did you have the money coming in and you hired for it and then you lost the money? I'm just curious. Yeah. Great questions. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the, we were having great conversations with clients with projected um, projects, mm-hmm. ad- additional projects, bringing them in was um, ahead of the game before we got final approvals. Um, they were, they were existing clients too. Right. So it's somebody we had a relationship with. We felt very, fairly confident that it was going to happen. I, I would say to, to compound that mistake hiring the wrong person because one of the, one of the folks that I had brought in was geared for marketing and sales mm-hmm. um, to continue to drive that and very outgoing personality, but I did not do a great job interviewing to make sure that they were the right person to do what I needed them to do. And in the beginning, I mean, you've, you've been in business, what, six years now, but, right. but even then, like as you're making those first few hires, hitting the wrong person, man, is just, first of all, we've all done it, but also that is, that hurts so bad because it's one third of your entire workforce is wrong, right? It's, it's a huge hit to get that first it, hire wrong. It, it is, it is. And being a small team, everybody works together. Uh-huh. And so when you have to let go of someone because they're not the right skill set, and you can't afford them, um, <laughs> right. It, it hurts. It hurts the team. Right. There's right? a morale it issue. Everybody. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We've, you know, those sorts of bumps in the road. I mean, they're, they're incredibly painful for the business, for you, for the hire you made. That's the, that's the ticket we signed up for on this journey, but damn, it hurts. <laughs> it's like, God. yeah. So if you were yes. to go, if you could go back and whisper in Cindy's ear in 2015, uh, what would you tell her and be like, Hey, Cindy, just a heads up. You would say, don't hire that chick. She's not going to work out. But but what else would you kind of whisper in your ear to give yourself some advice? Um, yes, I would say make sure you have the money in the bank first. Sign, signed contracts or agreements that the project's actually going to happen um, before you start planning ahead of the game. Right. I think that's a great point. And it's hard to do. I mean, th- there's this there's this trap, right, of... Can I take the business? I don't have the labor to support it, but also I don't have the money to support the labor before I get the business. And right. business owners walk that line and they often err on the side of hiring early or hiring way too late. Um, what I think is my general rule, <clears throat> and this ha- as you get as you get more confident in your services, as you know what as you can nail down a little bit more what 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 you need. Sometimes you just have to tell a client or a potential client, you got to set your expectation and timeline such that you can 
get it in writing, get the deposit, get the implementation fee, right. and then pull the person in. Right. And, spend the and, and I think, I think too, um, part of that challenge in that situation is it, it was like the candidate showed up and landed right in my lap. Mm. And I felt like they were the perfect person at the right time. And I didn't want to lose that opportunity either. Right. Oh yeah. How am I going to find this person again? Absolutely. Right. Right. I forgot what book I was reading recently, but how to hire the best or something. Um, but they were talking about all the processes needed in recruiting for that, that your goal should be a 95% confidence. If you, before you pull the trigger, you should have a 95% confident that, that not only can you afford the person, but that they are the one that they match on skills, on attitude, on culture, on all these different pieces, different ways of evaluating. But uh, and the book is all is really good. It talks about enough ways to do that. But the number that stuck in my head was, if I looked at this person, am I 95% sure they're going to do it? Yes. And I often admit, but, you know, when I've made hires in the past, I've been in the 70s. It's like more than half, oh. more than 50. Like it's better than 50-50. They could definitely work out. Uh, but getting to that 95% confidence is a, you, you have to put a lot into the recruiting time. Right. That surprises me. Being a client of yours, I love everybody on your staff. <laughs> Everyone I've ever talked to, they've been tremendous. Well, I will say it has been a long, long journey. It, it, giving my worst entrepreneurial moment, uh, well, it's not my worst, but one of the ones that I learned a lot from. About three years into owning my company, so long before we met, I uh, had grown a nice base of business. We were pulling in, I think our whole company was doing about 400000 but it was me, my wife, and my mother. We're the only employees, uh, and my and my sister part time. So, four hundred grand a year, three you know three four years out of college. I thought I was doing great, and I got I got this. Well, I won't say I'm not gonna blame anybody else, but I got this idea of selling uh, benefits on a much broader scale, and I'm gonna bring people in on commission only, and support these sales reps, and they're gonna go out there and beat the streets and get this thing done. And over the next twelve months, I had twenty four hires, commission only, commission only. Uh, and three of them were there at the end of 16 months. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, one thing is that's a commission only sales thing. It's kind of a different market, but man, it made me want to slit my wrists. I, <laughs> just watching the, I quit my job as a bartender. Now I'm going to sell insurance. I don't know. It was just a different world of, of what, than what we've been doing for the last five or six years, but, uh, uh we've all been, th you know, hiring decisions or, I don't know. So you got to learn it the hard way, I guess, or listen to a great podcast yes. who covers this stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, we've covered some hard times. We've talked a little bit about what you're doing. So I want to dive into, to what our listeners are looking for here. So I want to talk first about the small business. Let's say there's a company out there, five to 20 employees. They have, they understand that processes are important from a operations perspective. They know that they have to deliver their product consistently or their service consistently. And so they spend a little bit on processes, but mainly most information is still transferred by verbal, tribal, hey, just ask what you need shadow this person for a month and we'll, you'll, you'll know what to do then. Um, what would be like three or four things they could put in place as, as steps to do over the next week that would really move the needle for them on, uh, on training. 
on training. Okay. Or, so, or, or uh, maybe it's not training. Maybe it's whatever it would be needed to more consistently deliver their experience and product. I don't know if training right, is the answer, right. but that's what I would go with. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and, and training is, it is represented in a lot of different ways. Training could be just documentation, right? job aids, for example, cheat sheets that help people to, re- to remember, oh, these are the steps that I need to follow every single time, or here's how I log into this system. Um, then you also have training that is one-on-one mm-hmm. um, on the job. So you have somebody who is an expert in an area that is tasked with showing and making sure that everybody understands that they work with how to do certain things. And then you have online learning, right? So soft skills very easily adapt to the, to the online learning for customer service, leadership, those types of things. Uh, so I would say, first of all, focus on use cases. So what, what are the problem areas that you need to immediately address or you're concerned about? Great. Well, we'll, we'll use my, my company as an example. And some of this, I feel like we got nailed down. Some of it, I don't. But um, ours is a very complex environment. We have uh, tax that we're dealing with. Of course, we have HR stuff in terms of documentation, onboarding, uh, performance reviews and evaluations, just tons of different things inside the HR world. We have a benefits space where we're managing employee enrollment. Uh, we have timekeeping, which is probably the biggest pain in my butt as a rule, uh, just because employees have to interact with it every single day and a forgotten password is just more, for some reason, it's just unable to be figured out with that forgotten password button. Just constant things like that. If there's, if I'm sitting around and going, hey, every day I've got 20 or 30 items that are bubbling up as issues that I need to do, is there uh, a methodology maybe for narrowing down where to start in your business? Like, I know that my people don't know enough about everything because there's like a million things to learn, but like, how would I, what would be like something I could do for a day that, that would help me narrow down where I should start? Right. So it, assuming that you're documenting those things that are bubbling up, right? Those, those constant distractions. And this is a, a general time management rule too, just to see where those distractions are coming in, the uh, frequency in which they're coming. Like you mentioned, the, the forgot password. Well, if you're getting um, asked several times during a day, for example, for help on that, if you're documenting where you're spending your time, you're going to easily see, okay, is there something that I can either delegate to someone on my staff or come up with a solution that solves this so it gets it off my plate? Because we're as business owners, we are so busy mm-hmm. doing a million things, right? You're running everything. Your name is on every job in the org chart. Right, right. <laughs> right? You create a 30-person org chart, you have five people. Right. Yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes. So you're doing everything. So the, the goal is to definitely start with tracking where you're spending your time and doing some analysis on what are the non-value add items? What are the things that are not adding any value to your business? And out of those things, can you delegate them to someone else to handle them? Um, If it's, for example, a a client report that is due every week and you're the one doing it, is that something that you can train someone on your staff to do and let them handle as part of their responsibilities? Um, So that's that's where I would start. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, yeah. So, so, all right. So, so to recap that, it's like 
if you're a business owner, maybe maybe day one exercise this this afternoon, even for four hours, just like a diet, first thing to do is write down what it is you're doing for four hours or eight hours, cover a day. And then take a look at how much of that can be delegated or trashed to never do. Um, and if you're going to delegate, then you would go into creating the actual training to get that done. General idea, general formula for broadly getting things off the business owner's um, uh, day. Right. So when you're, let's say you do your time tracking, and um, I tell you what, we will put a time tracking worksheet on the downloadable for this episode, guys. So I know that's super easy. You can just use Google Calendar, but if you just want an Excel spreadsheet that's got it broken out by 15 minutes, write your stuff in there, may give you a, a little tool you can use. If you're going to do this time tracking, and at the end you decide, all right, this is the first thing I'm going to get off my plate. So I've identified something, me as the business owner, I'm the, and this is a, this is a great thing in my company, my people do, well, I mean, I, I, I do about 5% of what my company does, but one of the things that I noticed this week that rarely pops up, but when it does, it's always on me is 401k eligibility questions. No one in my company seems to know the answer to that. I don't know why there's like 15 of us. But if someone calls up and says, I got a weird employee, um, they were part-time, then they went full-time, then we laid them off, and now we brought them back on. We don't know the rules. How are they going to be eligible for 401k match this year? What do I do? And it's a complicated question. I have to know know what that timeline is. I have to know if they work more than 1,000 hours in the last 12 months. I have to know uh, how their 401k is set up, whether it's set up to match as people put money in or once a year as a profit share. It's a lot of information I have to learn about that client to be able to answer the question. And then I have to give them advice. Right now, it doesn't come up enough that it, it's come up more and more recently as we've grown because now we have more clients. But it, as a rule, it just doesn't come up that often. So let's say I now know that there's a thing I got to get out of my brain and get to an employee or all employees so that they can answer this question as it comes out. Mm-hmm. That would be, I could delegate. I could just say, hey, Angel, when this call comes in next time, you're the one. But I don't think that alone would get me the get get the client well taken care of. So how would I go about actually creating that? Yeah, what would I do? Yeah. So and, and you want to be careful about assigning to just one person oh, yeah. too, oh, yeah. because what if what if Angel's out sick when that call comes in? Right, <laughs> it's back exactly. to you. <laughs> so you want to come up with um, the right delegation method that makes sure that it's covered every time and. Um, I think that's a great example. So starting with, you just recorded right now (laughs) the steps you would take to do this. Um, If you have a knowledge base, you can put this little clip of the recording in the knowledge base of what to listen to and have someone build out documentation. These are the Mm -hmm. steps, the questions you need to ask. Have a checklist. Ask these things that then, once you have the answers, it's almost like a process flow. If this, then that. Um, to get them to be able to answer client questions. And then it's there for reference for anybody who gets that call in the future. How important is it that it be pretty? Does it matter? Can I just type it up in a Word doc and just like nasty? Or is it better if it's got little arrows and I don't know, a pretty smiling face of me dancing in the corner? (laughs) Okay. Well, okay. I want to say it's really important that it's clear and understandable. Mm -hmm. So as you're adding new staff on, they need to understand clearly what 
the drawings mean. And if it's not, then it's not of help. So it might be good to start with. It, something is better than nothing. I will say mm -hmm. that. Your current staff may already understand your, um, your short notes. Mm -hmm. But um, going forward, I would also make that an additional task of creating something more formal and documented. You mentioned have them listen to this, and this is something that I've I, I've been trying. This is what we this is how we do it internally, by the way. So uh, I haven't been feigning ignorance, but I will say that the way we do it is when I when I realize there's this issue, I actually it's it's either normally Elizabeth or Jen on my team who's actually a business like development person, but she just documents so well, and I say, look, I got to get this out of my head. And we do a uh, Google Meet that's recorded, and I have the, and I explain to them what it is I'm doing. I share my screen and kind of walk them through if it's software based. But a lot of times, it's just a conversation between the two of us. And I it normally takes 15 minutes, sometimes 20, and I ask them questions, or they ask me questions, and we kind of go back and forth. And then I give them some scenarios, and we just talk through it because I'm not a paperwork person. Despite being in charge of an HR company, I hate paperwork. So for me, we do an interview. We do it just like this. And I do an interview with a staff member. And then at the end, their job is to document it from that conversation, turn it into a thing. We give them a time budget, maybe 40 minutes or an hour or something. Go rock this out. And then I review it at the end. And nine times out of 10, it's done. Every once in a while, I read the thing and go, oh, I totally forgot to mention none of that's right. I, I lied the whole time, but once I see it in documentation, I can I can go. Oh, I'm forgetting a major part. So that's how right. we do it. We do it interview style. Love it, love it, and that works really well, um, especially for those of us who hate to do the documentation piece, as you mentioned. Um, the, and, and there are some people who are auditory learners, and so having mm -hmm. that the video up top, audio, yeah. yep, that that is helpful too. Having both pieces is very, and especially when it's a system. I absolutely recommend having the video piece of it in addition to documentation. Right, right. Okay, so uh, small business owner or, or medium-sized company out there, you're listening, or even just a department manager, and you've got stuff on your desk that you don't want. First, we need to identify what those are. So we're going to do, do a time analysis. You're going to look at your day. You're going to look at your week. You're going to find things that you should be delegating. Next up, you're going to take that item, you're going to sum it up, and you're going to Work with one of your employees. Uh, if you if you hate documenting, look, first of all, if you can just write this thing out in a Word doc, you should have done it already. But if you haven't, do that. But if it's complicated and you can't really think about how to get it out of your head, have an interview with one of your employees. Consider them a ghostwriter. Explain everything verbally. Have a little chat, a little screen share, and then ask them to document it and come back to you with the results. Then once it's documented, how do I, Cindy, how do I get my team to actually use it? <laughs> I've got great documentation. It's over there uh, at knowledgebase.peopleprocesses.com. Uh, how do I get them to actually refer to it instead of just uh, coming into company chat or walking into their manager's office and going, hey, I got a, got a, got a question. You have five minutes. I got a quick question. How do we get them to use, utilize this stuff? There's a quick step before that. <clears throat> before we get into the, the holding people accountable. <laughs> You want to make sure, because not everybody um, is a writer, right? right. So I've, I've recorded you and I've written down what I've heard you say in my words. 
someone else could misinterpret that. So I would also take that documentation and give it to someone who is completely unfamiliar with the process and have them go through it. Of course. Always test. Always yes. test. I, t- I, I, I think I've written that in my, in my chat probably 10 times this week. Uh, one of my, one of my pet peeves, and, and this is, this, this is like the last, the next to last step in every one of our solutions is log in as the employee and test. And last night I was, it was after work. It was, we should have been closed. We shouldn't have responded, but an employer emailed at like 6 30 PM saying, I got this issue. I'm so sorry. It's, it's urgent. I've, I'm, I've, I've messed this thing up. I need help on this uh, security setting. One of their employees basically was supposed to become a manager the next day. <laughs> and she had put her as a manager, but that manager didn't actually have any permissions to do the thing. So the solution actually was to go into the security settings and give this, this, this new role the same permissions as a, as a regular manager. Um, but the employer didn't know, hey, when I, just because I call a security profile, uh, you know, I forgot what it was, some sort of, you know, special type of manager. Uh, they're not, it's, the computer's not all automatically going to know that that means manager. You have to check the box that says these things. And my uh, rep at seven o'clock at night, so I really couldn't be too angry at her uh, about screwing up. She replied back, um, you know, just change the, change it to the other security profile, you know, but it doesn't, that didn't actually fix the problem because they needed this different name. If, if, if she'd have logged in as the employee, she would have immediately seen that this didn't actually fix the problem. Uh, but she replied without testing. Now, 7 PM at night, she was supposed to be off two hours ago. I don't even know why she was still here, but she did it. Um, and I'm, and I'm, and you know, so on one hand, I'm like, yay, motivated employees. On the other hand, I'm like, if you're not going to do it right, don't do it. Um, so, uh, but yeah, but yeah, test. test. Yeah. So when, when you give it to an employee, they do the article, you look it over, it looks good or the video or both. Mm-hmm. You then need to create like a test scenario and give it to someone who wasn't involved in the interview and wasn't you and say, go right. try this thing out. Right. That's outstanding. Yep. It's that's, not in my book. I skipped that part <laughs> in my book. That's, a, oh, no. that's, that's going in people processes 2.0. Awesome. I love that. Okay. So, all right. So then we send it off to a random other employee and say, Hey, follow this thing. Here's, I'm going to give you a, a, a fake employee. Go, go do this and tell me uh, if it all makes sense. Right. And then what right. they go, yes, it does. Or no, it doesn't. And you update the article. You kind of iterate there. Right. You, yes. You give clarifications because they may come back and say, what does this exactly mean on this step right here? So yeah, you do the updates, you make sure that it's clear. And then you do a quick uh, implementation, we'll say, right? There's, there's got to be some formal conversation even around here is the new process that I'm imparting to you. So if it's, I want you to start taking these 401k support calls, for example, here's the steps that you're going to go through to answer the questions. So making sure everybody is aware that they are there and have an opportunity to ask questions of you before you turn it over and say, no. I want all of you to take those 401k calls going forward. Mm-hmm. And you'll know when, when a question comes to you, why didn't you follow it? It's an easy tracking thing. You said uh, you don't get many of them. No, no. Like, I mean, last year I probably got three, but this year already I've gotten like six, um, which, you know, again, it's just something that I, it, it, last year it didn't even occur to me as a thing that no one on my team knew. 
But this year, since it happened like twice in one week, I was like, wait a minute, how am I answering this question? This is something that we could, we could, you know, it, it, and it's bad for my clients, right? I don't like when my clients have to ask for me or when they ask a question and my employees go, well, I don't know. Let me ask my manager. And then they ask the manager and the manager's like, hell if I know, I've never even heard of that. What's a, you know, I, I thought they were just eligible if the button was marked eligible, right? So, so, so that's, that's when they know they have to involve me and that's not a good client experience, right? The, uh, one of the things that, uh, this was an interview about a year ago that I really took to heart was in today's world, self-service is the first point of escalation. Um, if you're doing the item and it's not intuitive enough that you need to actually go research it you've already escalated. It's already a negative. It's not a bad negative, but it's a negative. And if you can't find the answer quickly and easily in your in, in the help file that's provided to your client or what you've already communicated, uh, and they have to call in or chat in, you know, for years I always focused on when my when a person calls in, I want them taken care of. And that's what I thought about for years. But uh, an, uh, an interview of mine told me, no, 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 no. That's true. You want them to have a good experience when they call in. But by the time they call in, you've already missed the mark. You've already screwed up. That changed my perspective. Right. By the right. time they call in, I've already screwed up. They call in. And then at that point, if that person that answers the phone can't handle it right then, and it has to be escalated, even if we eventually resolve the problem, we're already two or three steps down on a perfect experience. So if it has to wait for me to intervene, then I'm like, I feel like even if, even if in the end, the client's happy, we've missed four or five opportunities to make a better experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've worked with um, an IT shop, so a, a similar help desk in setting up metrics to, to see, you know, how many escalation points, how long to return calls, how long you're on calls so that in, they weren't tracking anything at at the point that we were engaged to help them with their processes. And um, now they have, we've established the baseline, set expectations, and they are constantly monitoring those to make sure, oh, is there a training opportunity here? Because we're seeing, an es- you know, several escalation points. Um, you know, so again, the metrics are important to make sure that people are held accountable because if nobody's measuring, they're all going to do whatever they want to do. I'm going to circle back to one harder, one more hard question. Then I want to talk about what we can do for larger companies. That uh, there's, there's some. I know there are some listeners, and I'm going to get an email about this. It's like you're 40 minutes into the conversation, and you're telling people to write shit down. I understand. Okay, look. But the thing is, basics are important, and also a lot of the people listening to this haven't written their stuff down. So you got to give me a time on that. But we're going to get to. Uh, you've already got your ducks in a row. How do we make it better? And what can we do to, to move to the next step in just a second? But before we do, I want to talk about diagnosis in particular as a subset. It's the reason I reached out to you a couple days ago, because I got feedback from my employees that we have good solution documentation. Once we know what to do, uh, we can do it. Like if if I can say, if I look at a, uh, if I have a client call, like if Cindy, if you call in and say, Rami, um, you know, I've got this accrual issue uh, or, or something, you give me nice an understanding of the problem, I can write on there, you know, go change this, change that, go do it. And they'll follow, they can follow the instructions and nail it. 
But where we seem to be lacking in our front-level employees here is diagnosis of the original problem. If someone calls in or emails in and says, uh, Jackie's pay was wrong, um, it was wrong. <laughs> and so then my employees calling back and going, okay, how was it wrong? You know, what, what, what was the difference? And they go, well, she was supposed to get 2,600 bucks. She only got 2,100 bucks. Uh, don't know why it's all screwed up in the system. The process of diagnosing the problem, like, is it because their salary set wrong? Is it because there was some sort of recurring contribution or deduction that was wrong? There's like 10 different things it could be. And we don't, my only knowledge base is how to change a deduction, how to change a salary, how to do this. It's not really how to diagnose that something is wrong. Right. Is that, right. I, I don't know. I, I, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I want to help me, Cindy. Help. I can help you. I can absolutely help you. So diagnosis uh, is a checklist, right? So you said there's about 10 things that it could be. So while your agent is speaking to the customer, they should be going through the checklist and asking the questions mm. that will guide them to the right answer. So we need to have a, a, a set of processes for diagnosis of the problem and then likely linked internally, something like that, the correct fix for each one of those things, a diagnosis manual on each one mm -hmm. of our key features. And I think, at least for me, I missed that for years. Uh, honestly, even now, I would say our biggest, our, I mean, I know our biggest hole is in diagnosis. A lot of times it just comes up to management or me or Liz or somebody trying to go, what really is the problem here? We've gone back. When someone emails a request, this is another thing that makes you probably put into our process. It's something like proactive diagnosis. And I don't know how to rate this, but Cindy, you may email and go, uh, Jackie's accruals are wrong. Um, and then of course we would need diagnosis to figure out how they're wrong, but also we, we almost need to know what, sometimes you'll email and go, Jackie's accruals are wrong. She needs an extra 10 hours. And at that point, what's happening a lot in my company really is we go in and put the 10 hours or my frontline staff goes in and puts the 10 hours, marks it as closed and it's good, but there's an underlying problem we haven't solved. And I don't know where to force that additional diagnosis. Does that flow at all? Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, and I was going to I was going to say to your earlier comment about the self-service if there's opportunity for those diagnosis um checklists, if you will, to be self-service to your customers where where they could go and say why is this wrong? And give me what should I look for? It's going to lead to a better conversation on the other end when they do call in and say the accrual is wrong. You need to add 10 hours. That's a, At that point, you have a conversation and it it goes along with the diagnosis, right? It is, it's a script. Then you need to ask these things. That's a great point. And then you notice that, you know, a software is really bad about that. I think when you think about enterprise software, it may have like my, the software we have has 1800 pages of user manual. It's, it's about 600 per module. And we have three primary modules. It's 1,800 pages of documentation, um, which if you know the keyword, if you know to search, if you know that what you need to do is program in an unusual schedule on a deduction, you can go find that. But to figure out that that's what you need to do, most software documentation doesn't touch that. 
And I think that's that's where we can probably put a lot of time in. So let's say that here I am, 20-man company, and I go, God, I definitely need to do that, but Lord, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm supposed to be able to delegate. So, But my internal staff is very busy, and honestly, none of them are that great of uh, writers. <laughs> So at that point, that's when we'd go to a company like Fuelit, right? That's the general idea of what you guys do. That That is definitely one of the things that we do is we come in and help you document. Um, and we also help you um, make your processes more efficient. Mm. So um, from out, from an outsider standpoint, we can look at processes and, and we ask the questions that often employees do not ask. Why do you do that? <laughs> that right. Way? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it be easier if you did this? And so we ask a lot of questions like a brand new employee and make you and really challenge you on thinking, is this the right process? It may have been the right process five years ago, but things have changed. We just haven't. So I want to go into that. I want to talk about what an engagement with you looks like, but let's also talk before we do, I want to hit uh, for the next 10 minutes or so. Let's say you're a large company and you have lots of documentation. You, you have a structure to build out documentation. <clears throat> you have a, a searchable knowledge base. You probably have a bot at this point that you can ask in plain language questions and it brings up certain knowledge base articles. Um, you have an escalation protocol internally. So you've got the processes down, but it's the same thing you were doing five years ago, right? It's still basically it's in a bunch of different web pages now or a knowledge based software, but it's basically a giant word doc, right? When it comes right down to it, maybe with some video explainers. I mean, I, I know very large companies that have hundreds of documented processes and five or 10 videos, right? What would be, or maybe they, maybe they do videos for a lot of them, but what would be the newer ideas that if you had an enterprise client listening or even, even someone with a couple hundred employees who has this stuff down, what would be two or three things that they could examine in their internal structure as new ideas that could that could move the needle forward for adoption or usability or effectiveness in their trainings? Right. So that's a great question. Uh, I love that because I have a, a few clients that are on the national level uh, that we work with, and it is definitely a challenge. Larger companies often uh, don't look at their employees as customers. Right, and so you, you, your knowledge base becomes this huge, massive file that's difficult to go through because there's no keywords, no tags, no nothing set up. Um, so, first step is thinking of your employees as customers and what's going to make their jobs more efficient in being able to find that information. We had this happen um, a couple of years ago. It's, it's actually what bridged us into virtual reality. It was our very first project. We had. One of our national customers engage us because they needed help with training. They had a new product line that their sales reps were not selling and um, they felt like they needed training. When we came in and looked at what documentation they had, um, they were a reseller essentially mm -hmm. for this product and the, the manufacturer had provided tremendous training. It was excellent. What they had was an adoption problem. Mm -hmm. People didn't, they were fearful of this new technology. They didn't understand it. And so what they did is they just kept selling the stuff they knew. It's easier. And so we came in and created um, communication campaigns around that to help them um, create some competition 
and excitement, you know, with the sales force that typically motivates, right, to have some prize at the end, some goal. Um, but then we also overcame their fear of new technology by creating uh, virtual reality experiences that allowed them to interact with this technology in a different way. Mm. New and exciting. They didn't have to be afraid of it. Um, and so we built, again, a large competition, a game around uh, their facilities competing against each other to sell this product introduced it by giving them a game plan, working with the managers. There was a full implementation schedule for this. It was like a nine week mm -hmm. program. In the first three weeks, the entire program, including prizes had paid for itself um, because they were making so many sales on mm. the new product line. After nine weeks, it had become part of their common core. That's just what they sold. Interesting. So when you're looking at an enterprise solution, or I mean, of course, this applies to small business sometimes too, but it can be you have the documentation, but you need to create the incentive or uh, ease of use to make it adoptable and then yes. create a project or campaign to roll that out. So you can look at it as <clears throat> look over your current operation, what's being underutilized, and then creating a project um, a campaign to increase that utilization. And the common reasons why those things are not utilized is either ease of access and use, uh, lack of familiarity, or lack of incentive. Those are the three kind of things you hit in your conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. So if you're, uh, let's say you're a 200 man uh, organization out there and you're we, she used a great example of sales, but let's think about using an, uh, uh, an operational uh, piece. If there's a new piece of software, uh, for example, this, uh, you know, you, you hear the CRM is the, is the, I don't know, the textbook example of that thing you spend a crap ton of money on that no one uses. Um, <clears throat> but let's say for an operations thing, you have like a new logistics tracker. You have a new way of tracking where, you know, where something is in, in the pipeline. Um, so of course you've 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 rolled it out. It's in the let's say that you're an enterprise and this has been in the field for two years, but you just don't see the adoption you expect. How would you, Cindy, if you were if someone brought you in and said, We have this great tool? Ah, I got a great example. I have a client. They have field salesforce out there. And whenever an employee goes out to one of their clients for a sales call, they're supposed to go into this app. And what this app does is lists four other clients that are within driving distance that they're supposed to go drop in on if they have time. Like if they don't have an immediate follow-up sale, they're supposed to go drop in on it, on those four people that this app generates. And they can tell that their app is almost like they, they spent a ton of money on this. They thought it'd be a great idea. They rolled it out two years ago. And now we're two years in and fewer than 5% of their sales force use it consistently. Even though it's big on, you know, when, you know, they get commissions when they make sales, go drop in on an existing client, they should make money, but they don't. So where would you start with trying to diagnose that problem? <laughs> that happens so often. I cannot tell you how many times I've run into this. So first thing I would start with, why are they not using it? Talk to some of the folks who are not using it and those who are. Where are the gaps? Mm. So the ones who are using it, is it because they've figured out what's in it for me? 
they've figured out that little key that just needs to be communicated to the rest of the group. Are there issues or challenges? So um, if my Wi-Fi network is down when I'm in the field, I can't access it. So is that a problem? Mm. So that's where I would start with the diagnosis is, is figuring out why some are and why others aren't to figure out what that gap is in between. Um, if it's truly just a motivation, sometimes it goes back to nobody's paying attention to this, so it must not be important. Accountability, people respect what you right. inspect, that kind of thing. Right, right. Hmm. I think that's a good point. So so when you have these issues, don't, as, a, as either an HR leader or a, a tech leader, wherever you are in your organization, don't assume you know the answer. Start with interviewing those who who don't know about it or don't use it uh, for whatever reason, and then try to find a few people who do utilize the program and ask them what they like and dislike. And I would say also to add to that, Hmm. um, it, it, the person who's doing the interviewing needs to be an objective more often than not third party. Uh, Not the, not the champion who, who said this is the great project and sold it to the board. (laughs) Don't don't have them do it. (laughs) Okay. You want, you want real answers. So you, you need somebody who's not close to the project or the implementation to come in and interview and ask the questions and get real responses. Mm, that's a good point. All right, Cindy. Well, we've covered a couple things that, I mean, we're coming up on our hour, so I want to wrap up. But we've talked about what small businesses can do internally. Uh, and we've even briefly hit on kind of a, a quick check that you can do at, at your larger companies. Where would companies reach out to you? So is I, I guess I, let me let me preface this with if a five-man shop is thinking I need better processes, do they need to get a word pad out and start working or do they need to call you? Like is it is it is it even worth in contracting with a third-party company like yours at that size? Absolutely it is. Really? Okay. Um, we absolutely we have worked with several um five to seven man shops. Awesome. In defining processes. Yes. But I also, as, 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 as my client, I know you also work with like 10,000 plus man national companies. Right. Dang. Right. All right. Well, you got some range. Okay. So, so anyone can call you guys. What would be the mentality? Say someone's stuck around for this whole 55 minute interview and they're like, man, I, I need better training. What is the going through their head that would make them think I should call up Cindy rather than try and figure this out internally for now. For real. (laughs) That's funny. Well, yeah, the pain is high enough and I don't want to do the documentation. Hire in an expert, right, to do this for me. It'll be done so much faster than if you did it yourself. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And probably better, too, because, and I'm talking about my own company. Like, I mean, I... Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what, and, and then let me also hit on what sort of engagements do you do for those larger companies? So we talked about defining the process and that kind of stuff, but for larger companies that have that, where do you come in? Oh goodness. So we, we've done a lot of the process documentation, but we've also done, like I mentioned, internal communications, the, the implementation of a new product or getting uh, the internal community on board with new product lines. Mm. And we, we've also been, um, if you will, an outsourced LMS um, and training department for some organizations. So we've created for them management leadership materials that are specific to their organization um, and, and created a roadmap of here are the online courses that your managers would go through just for ongoing um skill development. Um, and we've also developed, you know, the 
for operations, it, the step-by-step, -step, the videos and the, the instructions on how to uh, do certain things. Uh, Outstanding. So when, so, all right. So they, we got someone listening. They go, all right, I'm open to talking to Cindy. I don't know that I have the money for it, but hopefully I do. Where do they start? Should they reach out to you on LinkedIn? Do they go to your website, fuelit.us? Where, how would they uh, start with connecting with you? Right. Yes. So I would say LinkedIn, website, um, email is fine. I don't know if you post that at the end. I can. All right. It'll be down at the bottom of the description. If, uh, if uh, you're cool. We'll also have links to fuelit.us, which is your website. I'm on your website, man. You got some great stuff on here about virtual reality training courses, your LMS, all kinds of cool stuff on here. And uh, we'll also have links to your LinkedIn and Facebook. It looks like, yeah, you got a Facebook profile on here too. Yep. Great. That sounds great. All right. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, you've dropped some great value bombs. We'll be uh, highlighting some of these key areas uh, in our downloadable over at peopleprocesses.com. And Cindy, thank you for coming on. All right. Thanks, Rami. Hey, you have a great you day. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it today with Cindy. I hope you learned something. I hope you picked up something useful to you for your organization. I want to give a quick recap. Small businesses, you need to do a time analysis to figure out what's on the business owner or manager that you got to get off of them. Once you identify that issue, you need to document it. Documentation at its most basic can be you taking out a piece of paper and writing it down. But most business owners I know don't have the time for that or the inclination. Instead, elect an employee uh, and interview with them so that they will do the documentation based on that interview and then have another employee who's not involved in that test it out. If you go, I don't have time to do that, and I have a ton that needs to be done, reach out to Cindy, fuelit.us. She can absolutely help you out there. Larger companies, you have your processes in place. You've got a decent idea of what you're doing, but you're worried about adoption, usability, effectiveness. Bring Cindy's team in for a, co for a custom review of what needs to happen. She can help you with diagnosis. She can help you with interviews as a third party to figure out where the problem's at. She can help you manage those campaigns. If you're going to do it internally, start with talking to the people who use it. Don't assume you know what's going on yourself. It'll make a big difference in getting you to the right solution quickly. My name is Rami Aligil. I'm the CEO of People Processes, and I so appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. You can find us at peopleprocesses.com, LinkedIn, Facebook, all those places. Anytime you want to drop a question, that makes my day. I read every one of them. I respond to almost every single one of them. Sometimes you guys are just weird and I don't respond. But most of the time, you get a direct response from me. And it's often the basis for our Q&A episodes that happen every month, where we go through all the questions we got in, help answer, because I know that if one person's asking, a lot of people are. Please reach out. Now, it's time for you to go out there and get your work done and have a great day. Thanks for tuning in.